0: Hello, my name is Dylan Arvella and welcome to the Football South Coast Preview for week three of the finals. There are just two preliminary final matches to cover this weekend in the top two divisions, so we will be previewing them and reflecting on last week's action with Illawarra Mercury reporter Mitch Cohen and fellow Football South Coast reporter Simon Duffin.
1: Any thoughts about Robbie Shields? He came on for five minutes at the end, looked pretty sharp for an injured man. Yeah, well... (laughs) He doesn't train
0: all week, so like he's only playing games at the moment. So right. yeah, like it's one of those things where I think we're now down to I think 12 players now. So you know, price of elimination, he probably might get a start <laughs> next week. <laughs> oh, good luck to you. Hope you
2: right. doing well next week.
0: We will get the show going with the Illawarra Mercury Premier League, and joining me is the Mercury's Mitch Cullen. Thanks for coming back on.
2: Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Uh, so
0: on the weekend, Bullock progressed through to the grand final with a hard-fought 1-0 win against kembler fury And they will now play Port Kembler in the preliminary final. Of course, the big story, though, is on Port's side of the draw. They beat Wollongong Olympic three goals to nil to get to within a game of the decider. You were at Weatherall Park, so give us a rundown of what happened.
2: Well it's one of the stranger games probably of the whole season. Across the board I think a lot of people going in would have expected Olympic to bounce back from their disappointing performance against the Fury. Um, but the game was all all but over ten minutes in. The The first uh, goal went in about eight minutes in and then two minutes later Johnny Noski was sent off uh, for descent. Um, Regardless of what he said, um, you you wouldn't want to get sent off ten minutes to in, into you know any game, and they're, they're down to ten already, so they're chasing the game, Olympic. Um, but the game got pretty scrappy from then on, um, and then shortly after, well, thirty-five minutes in, Olympic lost their second man, down to nine men. Um, when uh, who? Oh, geez, Off the top of my not, head, Stefan Demoski. Demoski just got, got sent off. Sorry, yes, yeah, Stefan Demoski got sent off. Um, for a silly challenge really on halfway You already had a yellow card a late challenge on halfway did the challenge need to go in no it didn't uh, did it need to go in when you're already down to 10 men no it didn't um he's off nine men and then the game just got really scrappy i, I mean olympic did terrifically well to stay in the game with nine men and they stayed in it for a very long period but Port would have to be extremely disappointed with how they played once they went down to nine men Um, their passing just totally deserted them Uh, they totally broke down in the front third and um, the longer the game went the more you got a a bit concerned that they might not get the job done, Uh, I think your waiter had a a great chance to equalise about an hour into the game and if they scored then it just would have been a very nervy last sort of half an hour of the game, but uh, fortunately for Port, they managed to bang a couple in late. Uh, Sandy Lowcock scored, although it was nearly a great save um, by Hayden De Rose during the sticks, but he uh, just had enough pay- power on it. Uh, did Sandy Lowcock to get it past him, and Jack Keating couldn't clear off the line, and, and that was it. Once that second goal went in, you thought there's probably going to be a third, maybe a fourth from here. Uh, the resistance was sort of broken, but. Yeah, a strange old game, a very strange old game. I, I, like, I definitely wouldn't have predicted Olympic to, to go out backwards or implode the way they did, really. A, a 6-1 loss and then a 3-0 loss with nine men. Uh, I mean, who would have predicted that at the start of the finals? I know you probably wouldn't have either.
0: Yeah, it is quite a remarkable story. I'd already started my preparations for a eye Olympic Grand Final. Um, obviously, Olympic, they came within a game of winning the, winning the league championship. They had a decent season last year, but this is probably their best season in quite some time. I mean, how do you, considering the end to it, how do you rate their season?
2: Well, I think they'd have to consider it a disappointment now. Um, going out in straight sets to get to where they did in the, the league, maybe they invested too much in, in that league title, or to to win on on the final day of the season. But then losing Harry Brown. Uh, late in that game is obviously he, he's been a key cog for them in midfield and then Jack Keating of course didn't play in that first semi-final another key cog so that's how I, I think they lost that first semi-final but you would have expected them to bounce back and they'd be very disappointed with how their season ended uh, I think on the regular season they'd be really happy but to to go out in straight sets um, it'd leave a sour taste in their mouth for them I think but um, a lot to look forward to for them next year, if they can keep that same squad or similar squad together, they're obviously going to um, be there or thereabouts in the league, but I think they're going to have a sour taste in their mouth after going out in straight sets the way they did. Yeah, so you think
0: Olympic will still be uh, keep our big competitors next season? Oh,
2: absolutely. I've got no doubt they'll be there or thereabouts again next season. Um, I hope they've learnt the lessons from this final campaign. but. I mean they were terrific all season long and they did only go within a win of winning the league title which is I think what a lot of teams really covered. I know the grand final a big one but Teams do love winning the league and being the best team all season long, and and they were only a win away from that, so take nothing away from that achievement as well.
0: Yeah, that's a fair call there. Focusing on Port, though, after the match, Noel Spencer said to you, uh, it's fair to say that was our worst performance of the season. I know they were against nine men for a large portion of that match, but I'm sure Noel would have um, beat your arm off at 230 p.m. on Sunday afternoon for that sort of result.
2: Yeah, but he also said with that, I guess that's with how poor they were, that that's how high they want to set the bar here, regardless of if they win, they want to play, they know they're capable of better football. Um, They were pretty poor in the first half against Tarawana the week before as well, and still managed to come away with a win, so maybe that's a bonus, maybe they're underrated or maybe people are underrating how good they can possibly be if they've been too poor in uh, well, three halves of football or other than the second half of Tarawana um, to show how high they can actually get. Maybe people are underrating them. Well, me personally, mate, um, I know Noel has a high opinion of how well they can play. Um, so if they can bring that this weekend and with how well they can play, a grand final shouldn't be out of their reach. Do you think then perhaps they're poor? their poor performance through Noel's eyes um, was just down to complacency? Yeah, I think so. You go down to nine men, ask anyone that's ever played football. The other team goes down to nine men. It's it's hard not to think, well, this game's in the bag for us. We should win this. They were up 1-0 as well. It, it, it's human nature to think, OK, we should win this game. It's obvious everyone knows you should win that game when you've got the two-man advantage. And that complacency probably did come in against Olympic and... They did get the result in the end, but they've got a different beast this weekend against the Fury, don't they? Yeah, it's,
0: we'll be discussing that one in a moment. But I just want to touch on Bulli, their through to the big dance. Uh, I've been thoroughly impressed with Matt Bailey and what he's done this season. The rookie coach, you know, their FFA Cup run, they've won a Burt Befnick Cup, their first title in, a, in quite a number of years. The league championship and now potentially 90 minutes away from the coveted treble. Uh, What are your thoughts on Bailey
2: and the Bulleye boys making the grand final day? Well it's been a seamless transition hasn't it? Ben Smith did a terrific job in his three or four seasons at the club and and won them a league championship and and got them to I think two or three grand finals during his time there. Um, So Bale's had a great platform to build off but He's made the transition seamless I think he's he's kept a lot of that core squad together um, and I think it's a lot down to team culture they seem to enjoy playing with each other out at bullo it seems to be uh, a team and, and I think that's down to you know keeping a lot of those guys there a lot of the, that core group um, and and they keep them going together but bales has done a great job leading them and leading that transition I mean To keep them focused to get, as you said, within a game of the FFA Cup main draw, to win the Burt Bampton Cup, to win the league, to keep them focused to do all of those things throughout the year is no mean feat in itself. I mean, they've hardly, they haven't lost focus yet and they've only got one more, 90 more minutes to keep focused on this season to to complete a remarkable season. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: So as for who they will meet, Kembala Fury taking on Port Kembala at Memorial Park, in Corrimal on Sunday 2.30pm. A loss against Bulleye was the Furies first in seven and that defeat came at the hands of Paul Kembler who have five wins in five games. Their last defeat came against Bulleye. A big factor heading into this game is Alvin Chekley, uh, I believe he injured a- his Achilles against Bulleye. Can you shed any more la- any more light on
2: that one? Yeah, he's definitely gone for the season. Um, whether it's it's longer than that, it, it looks like a pretty substantial injury. Um, he's Still weighing up if he needs surgery, I believe, um, or if he takes the surgery route. You can, I think, you can do two routes with the Achilles injury, but um, it looks pretty bad, which is a real shame. Really, uh, at 43, it's not the sort of injury you want in your career. So, um, fingers crossed. Um, it's not the end for him because he deserves a, a better finale than, than that. Um, he, he's been such a servant for this competition since he's dropped back for it and, and such a great player for the Fury. Still one of the best players in this competition. Um, still one of the best defenders in this competition. Um, so he's obviously a huge loss for the Fury um, for the remainder of the season, particularly uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, I definitely concur with that. Fingers crossed he is able to make a comeback, but we'll have to see on that one. Uh, so with the veteran out, and also I believe Kozoto kashida is also going to miss, be missing the remainder of the season. And they're up against a poor Kembla side who are actually also without Ben Zuko, who's suspended, but still plenty of uh, uh, nimble attackers in, that side, in their side. So how do you see this one
2: going? I think the Furies experience at this time of year, they've still got a fair bit there. Obviously they're going to miss Alvin, but they've still got um, a lot of guys that have played at this time of year before in, in, in your Dave Hardises and your and your shane Murray's and guys like that Matthew McNabb's still up front we we also forget they've lost they lost Anthony proyer um halfway through the season so it's quite remarkable that they've managed to get this far within one win of the grand final given how many players they've lost throughout the season Robbie shields has hardly played a game a two-time Mitch George blows. Mitch blows yeah. replacing. I mean it's it the list goes on for them and they've managed to get where they have and that's just a testament to the side they are they just they just find ways to win Games at this time of year, and I, I think they might find a way to win this game. But I, I think it was, if you'd asked me a, a few weeks ago, and if there was Alvin and that sort of thing on deck, I think I was almost banking on they they would progress to the grand final. But it's a bit harder now that they've they're missing so many guys. Uh, as you said, I think Shane Murray's sort of been playing hurt a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie Shields, as yeah, has been on sort of one leg for all season. So. Um, If ever they've been vulnerable in a game like this, it's this weekend against Port, who, as I've said, they're just finding ways to win games, aren't they? Uh, Noel said they haven't been playing that well. Um, If they bring their best on the weekend, there's no reason why they can't win. Yeah, and outside of Bulleye, they
0: are probably the form team. In the Conk, for mine, it's one of the toughest games uh, to call in the last few months in local football, Fury. Uh, they were on a strong run. They peaked with that amazing victory over Olympic, but they were stifled against Bulai, and now they're without their inspirational captain Port. They just scraped into the finals, but they now have two 3-0 wins in a row. Um, they're seemingly in the better form, but like you touched on, there's plenty of experience in the Luke Mcguire's side. I just think they might just get the job done. I don't think it will be. Pretty, I don't think it will be pretty, but perhaps like a one. A one goal to nil sort of sort of scoreline might be a fair reflection of the match.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say about the same. But as I said, I can't I can't rule out Port because they're just finding ways to win games at the moment. Albeit uh, the two send-offs definitely helped them last weekend. Um, but let's not forget they were already one nil up when the first yeah. send-off happened. So take nothing away from that win.
0: Yeah, and they were the last side to um, other than Bolly to beat the Fury. So that might um. Play in the minds of a few of the Fury players. One final question, though: um, I, We're both predicting a Eye Fury Grand Final now. Mm-hmm. Um, can you see them? Can you see the Fury um, upstaging the League
2: Champions? I can't at this point, but once you get to Grand Final day, it's a to- total different kettle of fish. It's been thirty years now since eye have won a Grand Final. I think in 1986 or 1988. Uh, it 's a long time. Um, will the mental demons creep into bulleye on grand final day? They could do if it 's nil all after the sixty six minute mark or something like that it It starts getting more nervy i can 't see them beating this bulleye side on form. Or with the injuries we've just mentioned, but you just never know on grand final day. Those those nerves can creep in and all that sort of thing. But I think this has to be the year. I think this has to be the year, surely.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they're definitely the favourites. I'm just going to touch on uh, the other grades playing this weekend. Youth grade league champions, Kemal Fury had a 3-0 win over Bullogong United to progress through to the grand final where they will face the winner of United and Bullogong. While in the under-18s, league champions Tarawana are through to the cider and they will face the winner of Albion Park White Eagles and Bulleye. So there could be three Eye sides involved on grand final day. That wraps up the preview for the Illawarra Mercury Premier League. Thanks again for coming on, Mitch. I'm sure we will grab your thoughts on the, the GF next week.
2: Can't wait, mate. Can't <laughs> wait. Let's
0: hope we're all right. <laughs> Time for a quick break before Simon Duffin joins me to talk about the WGC Cranes District League. Yeah, the young boys really stepped up, as I said, like, you know, we've been working hard, we've been working hard at training, you know, and a lot of these boys, you know, you got to realise they they're playing youth grade last year, so it's a big, big, big effort from all these boys that are coming up and stepping up in this league, and, you know, I'm oh, sorry, in the first grade, and, you know, they're, they're really, really coming along really well, so. Now we turn our attention to the WGC Cranes District League, and joining me is fellow Football South Coast reporter, Simon Duffin. It's the business end of the season, it's a good time to be involved.
1: It's a great time to be involved, Dylan. I've seen some great matches in the last couple of weeks.
0: So last weekend, we lost Cyril, who went down 2-1 to Helensburg, who are on quite the unbeaten run now, and they will be facing league champions Fernhill, who couldn't overcome a 10-man Rorilla in a 3-2 result, meaning the Wanderers get the week off and move through to the grand final at Wetherill Park. We will review that classic and preview... Fernhill v. Helensburg in a moment. But first, through all, how do you reflect on their season? They finished third in the league, but just three wins in their last ten and ultimately uh, went out in straight sets.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had them down when we were doing the podcast earlier in the season as the regular 1-0 winners. I mean, it was their defence that was, that was keeping them up there. But, but, yeah, they're a good team, and they'll be very disappointed to not to be going through to even to this next weekend's football because... They've, they're a solid team, um, they're probably good enough on paper to be in this match at the weekend, but they haven't made it. Yeah, I think the obviously getting the 1-0
0: results at the start of the year um, was good for them, but I think in the end uh, the goal's probably drawn up um, in these crunch matches let's talk about the classic matchup at Elizabeth Park that we were both at on Saturday unfortunately I missed the first half so I'll I'll let
1: you give a rundown of the match. Yeah we were both off duty but went along anyway because it was a great game Um, really great game. Well the top
0: two sides of course.
1: That's right but I mean I think Warrilla set out their store on Saturday and and they're the team to beat. If you look at the way Warilla played um, it kind of reminds me, I know it's District League and not Premier League but it their style, in a way, reminds me of Bulai in a funny way. Because it, it's it's a pushing forward. They've got the wide men, Jeremy Lopez up the left and Adam White up the right. And they're feeding through constantly to Kane Good, who's fast it's in the middle. Bojan Carrick hasn't scored many recently, but still can. Got a great shot on him. And behind those four, you've got Harvey Vando. And he, he scored one, I think, and made the other at the weekend, or made one of the other ones. Great player. So those five players pushing forward. That's going to test any defence in District League.
0: Yeah, they do have some sensational individual talent, and when they do click, they are, they are potentially the best the best starting eleven in the league, and everyone's aware of um, Barney King and his finals record. But Fernhill against ten men for lo- a large period of the game, would you be concerned that they could only
1: manage the one goal in the second half? Yeah, I think um, personally, and a lot of other people around the ground, when Morello went down to ten men just before the break just assumed it would be one-way traffic afterwards and it was it wasn't largely one-way traffic possession possession was yeah. but they weren't getting through that word of defense and Wirlo we're good on the break but so yeah fernhill will be disappointed not to have come back from that they were 2-1 down at the break but against 10 men for full 45 minutes so and, and the thing is from my perspective um i believe they hit the Post the crossbar
0: once from a header but I don't think Vallon in the Warilla goal he wasn't that sensational in the second half I think it was they seem to lack the creativity that saw them be the top scorers
1: in the league season yeah I'm wondering what was missing I had a look at the starting 11 and who who I'd last seen playing for them a key player a little bit like Harvey Vando for Warilla, that was missing on Saturday's Mark Sergi I don't know what's happened to him but he he's a real playmaker from centre of the park for Fernhill, and him not being there may have had that impact yeah. from not controlling midfield to to feed the players up front.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, Ilya Przoslowski. He was trying to get on the ball a lot, um, but unfortunately, they, he didn't seem to get the he didn't get on the ball in the box, which is where you want uh, him to be receiving receiving possession. And that leads us on to the, the preliminary final, which is set to be played at JJ Kelly Park in Coniston on Saturday at 2.30pm. Fernhill taking on Helensburg. The league champions are without a win in four games now against the Helensburg side who haven't lost in their last 10. What
1: are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, well, of course, I'm, I'm a great one for omens. And, of course, the last season's omen uh, for Fernhill is that Cornwall were in the same position. Uh, won the league very easily, uh, came to the finals, lost the same match that Fernhill lost, and then didn't qualify for the grand final. So, in that omen, Fernhill are in trouble. But uh, I still think that, that there was a few players missing at the weekend. Uh, not only Mark Sergi, I, I didn't see, I don't know where Andrew Payne is, Andy Keep. There's a few Andy more. Andy Keep's out for the season. Is he out he, for the season? Yeah. Okay. The other thing to bear in mind with Fernhill is that their apparent form dropped off, the results have dropped off, since basically they've been pretty well guaranteed the league. Yeah. And it's probably hard to motivate a team. We'll switch back on. Once, once you've won the league, with a few rounds to go, you're coasting in a way. So yeah, how do you switch the team back on? And they obviously didn't manage it this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and, and adding to
0: Fernil's poor record, they also haven't kept a clean sheet in uh, the last four games after five clean sheets on the trot, and 13 all season. Uh, as we've just talked about, going forward in in the second half against Rilla, they really struggled to make those clear-cut opportunities. Perhaps their swords become a bit blunted at the wrong end of the season, but that isn't isn't the case for Helensburg. Uh, They're a team that haven't had any issues scoring, that haven't been kept scoreless in their last 17 matches, averaging 2.8 goals a game in their past 10. Uh, And like Dale White, the final captain said on last week's podcast, they're probably the form team in the competition. So, what's your prediction for the match?
1: Well, you know, I have to be clear here. I've only seen Helensburg play for about half an hour this season when I turned up at Kayama on a day off to oh, see how they did. Yeah, how many goals did they score? They around? scored three hours, three goals in that half hour, it's true. They were, Kayama weren't good that day. But... So it's hard for me to say. And actually, what's good? Everyone's talking about this Japanese guy, is it Kato? And he's got twenty-four, five goals now. Um, but they've got a few others who can score as well. So it's not just Kato who who who's up there for them. Um, and as you say, they they are an informed team. But yeah, they didn't. I read the match report of the um, game against the Rul. The had them under the cosh. This couldn't convert in this match last weekend. So they're not. They're not. They're getting results, but I'm not convinced they're going to be able to beat Fern Hill. So, Fernhill in 90 minutes, or...? Fernhill at the end of the day. I don't know whether 90 <laughs> minutes or 120 minutes or penalties, but Fernhill at the end of the day.
0: Uh, for mine, form means a lot at this time of year, especially when one side... Uh, is in an upwards trajectory, while the other one is fairly stagnant. Uh, it was a 2-2 draw the last time these two teams met, and I think it could be a similar scoreline, but in the end, I'm predicting Brad Boardman's side to go through to the grand final, which would be a very interesting clash between Rarilla and Helensburgh, two sides that do have plenty of um, exciting players. But you're predicting a Rarilla fernhill grand final. Who would you expect would be the
1: overall winner? After watching Marilla on Saturday, I'd have to go with Marilla at this stage. Interesting call there, but if Helensburg go through, you never know, that
0: could be a, <laughs> an interesting run. Just to go through the other grades, reserve grade league champions Fernhill are in the decider and they will play the winner of Warrilla and Thoreau. While in youth grade, Coniston are through to the big dance after a 2-1 win over uni. University now play Fernhill for a place in the grand final. Uh, We're done here. Simon, thanks for coming back on.
1: Thanks a lot, Dylan. Yeah, look, you
0: know, I've got the players around that can do that kind of stuff, and that's what makes my job so easy, but uh, to do that, yeah, like I said, it's about hard work, and the girls put it in, and that's the rewards that they get for you know being persistent and being uh, committed to each other. The Builders Club Women's Grand Finals were held over the weekend in conjunction with the Junior Grand Finals at Unidara Oval. University took out the Division 2 crown, beating the previously undefeated Dandaloo three goals to two, and Albion Park proved to too good for Tarawana in the main game, winning 3-0. That is Albion Park's fourth grand final win in a row and their third trophy of the season, with the champions of champions still to come. That is all we have time for on this week's show. A reminder to like Football South Coast Match Centre on Facebook and follow at FSC underscore official on Twitter for all the latest news, match reports and updates. My name is Dylan Arvella, you can find me on Twitter at Dylan Arvella, and until next time, enjoy the football.